Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Washington, D.C. with my good friend Jamie Larunas of TheForwardCabin.com. Jamie loves how clean and well-kept the city is, and that D.C. is a great jumping-off point for his travels by plane and train. In this episode, Jamie and I talk about embassy real parties, cherry blossoms in the spring, and the National Ball. You're about these three fun attractions and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash DC. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Don't you just hate waiting in line for security at the airport? Me too. Even the pre-check lines are slammed most of the time today. That's why I use Clear to skip the lines and get to my flight quicker. For my listeners, I've actually worked out a special deal where you can try Clear for free for two months. This is a limited time offer, so go to wetravelthere.com forward slash clear to sign up today. Hey, Jamie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Absolutely. So today we're talking about DC and we're recording this actually in September of 2020. So big election year, elections getting ready to come up. So it's a perfect time to talk about DC and all the fun things to do there that aren't necessarily politically motivated. Yeah, this is definitely the city to be in. So what's your connection to D.C.? So I went to college about an hour south in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Uh, I lived there for a few years, moved up to Reston, Virginia, and then moved up to Arlington. So I've been getting ever closer to D.C. itself. So I've lived in the you know vicinity here, the metro area, coming up, you know, I guess on 10 years or so. So I guess I've sort of, you know, fallen in love with the city and here I am, you know, who knows how long I'll stay, but for now it's a, it's a great spot. Right on. Yeah. On the trajectory you're going, like in about 20 years, you may actually be living at the white house. Exactly. Move closer and closer and maybe <laughs> I'll have my own uh, big mansion. So if you had to describe the people or the city of DC in just a couple words, how would you do that? Yeah. So the city of DC is very professional. You've got political types, you've got major corporations, and basically everyone is trying to impress everyone else. So, you know, walking down the streets, this certainly isn't uh, like the West Coast and LA and Palm Springs and all those sunny places where you've got everybody in their polo shirts and shorts. DC is definitely a suit and tie city. So everyone is very well educated, very professional. This is sort of the city to be seen in. And so you basically dress to impress. Absolutely. I remember I was there for my fraternity's annual meeting back in college and we were there in August and man, wearing a suit as you're walking around, that was uh, that was pretty rough. Yeah, it'll do it to you. It's a very seasonal area. Absolutely. So actually kind of speaking of that, let's talk about like the weather throughout the year. And when we're thinking of like planning our visit to come, what time of year should we plan our visit? Yeah. So the springtime is the best time to visit DC. And so when you come in that March and April timeframe, you've got the cherry blossom festival. And so those trees are in full bloom and you can walk around the tidal blazing. And it's just a beautiful time to just see DC. As you get into the summer, you know, sort of that heat of the summer in July can become quite warm, quite humid. And our uh, winters are at least a little bit brutal, I think, uh, although certainly not nearly as bad as Chicago and Canadian cities and whatnot. But I, I think we still do get it pretty bad here uh, in December and January and February. So I think the best time to visit here is in that late March, April, May ish springtime timeframe. 
Okay, that sounds good. Well, let's take a step back. For people that are coming to D.C., uh, obviously, it's a it's an international hub. You, know, you got three airports there, people coming in from all over the U.S. as well as internationally. Which airport should we try to fly into? And then from there, what's the best way to get into the city? Yeah, so you should definitely fly into Reagan Airport if you can. That's the closest airport into downtown D.C., uh, and you can simply take the metro line into D.C., about a 10 or 15-minute ride, super convenient, nonstop right into the city. From there, you've got Dulles Airport, which is your international airport. And so your bigger planes, international, uh, is going to go into Dulles. That's much further from D.C. That's upwards of 45 minutes to an hour outside of D.C. Uh, with traffic, it could be even further. And the public transit option is great. Even further than that is BWI, the cheapest airport, but the furthest from the city. Okay, public transit, you can take the uh, Mark trains or Amtrak into the city. So it is okay. It's just a little bit of a, a decent ride, but the fares are, are much better out of Baltimore. For sure. And then I guess it's also the matter of which airline you prefer to fly in because each of those different airports is probably a better hub for one airline versus another, right? Yeah, for sure. So Americans got Reagan Airport, United has uh, Dulles Airport as their stronghold, and then Southwest is up in Baltimore. And so because all three of those airports compete with each other with uh, those different airlines, the fares are great flying into D.C. because uh, each airline is trying to vie for everyone's business. So because Baltimore, you know, it being so far out and it being a hub of Southwest, it just drives the prices down for United and Dulles and American uh, and Reagan. And it really creates it's a great atmosphere for um, ticket prices. I mean, I know that the scenery there in, in D.C. is just absolutely beautiful with all the different monuments and really cool buildings. If you're flying into D.C., is there a certain side of the plane to sit on so that way you make sure you get the best views? Yeah. So if you're flying into Reagan Airport, which is pretty much the only airport where you're going to have uh, consistent views, depending on which way you're flying in, your pilot may say that they're taking the river visual approach. And many pilots will actually announce that because the view is so cool. And you want to sit on the left-hand side of the plane if you're flying in or the right-hand side of the plane if you're flying out. It really all depends on the runway directions and uh, traffic and that type of thing. But if you are taking that approach over the Potomac River as you fly in or out, you're going to have DC literally right outside of the window. And so it's just an iconic shot to grab your camera, see all the monuments. You can see the White House. You can see all the parks uh, and pretty much all of the city. You'll be able to capture a great shot right outside the window. Absolutely. Get your, get your first shot in there for the Instagram and you're ready to rock and roll for the, for the rest of your vacation. <laughs> yep. And if you miss it, just book another ticket and you can do it all over again. Yeah. Come on back. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's the thing about DC is that there's so much to see. I mean, you have to, you have to kind of get mentally prepared and realize that you're not going to see all the things you want to be able to see because there's just so much to do there. I mean, between the Smithsonian's, between all of the great places to eat, between all of the national monuments and parks, I mean, you could spend a week here and still not get everything done. And the great part about D.C. is that so much of it is free. And so there's so many things that you want to do simply because it's economical to do. You don't have to worry about ticket prices or admission or, you know, anything like that. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're talking about the Smithsonian. Realistically, I mean, you can spend an entire week just at the Smithsonian. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a Smithsonian pretty much for every person. There's a Air and Space Smithsonian. There's a uh, African-American Smithsonian. There's an American Indian Smithsonian, Museum of American History. I mean, pretty much every 
topic and culture that you could find within the U.S. You've got some sort of museum that's dedicated to it uh, where you can go in and find pretty much every iconic artifact and display related to history. I mean, you've got the ruby red slippers from the Wizard of Oz. Uh, You've got the Enola Gay, which is the plane that dropped the atomic bomb. I mean, just pretty much every object that you could imagine that's changed American history, you can see it in the Smithsonian. And best of all, it's free. Absolutely. And I, I remember going there as a kid for the first time. And especially as a father now, I just remember how like, huge everything seemed you know like a lot of times you go to museums and it's just normal height of ceilings or whatever like you would have in your house but because they're holding some of these rather large artifacts and everything you're almost like in a big cavern in in some of these museums and it's it's just overwhelming sometimes how massive some of these buildings are yeah i mean these are humongous buildings and there's tons of artifacts inside and you know most folks are just going to you know museums in whatever city they visit but they don't kind of realize the enormous scale that the Smithsonian is. I mean, they think it's one museum. Well, no, I mean, it's tens of museums. And especially if you head out to uh, Dulles Airport, where the Space Museum is, where they house the planes. So there's one downtown and then they house one with planes at Dulles Airport. That's a huge airplane hangar. Actually, it's several hangars. So you realize sort of just the scale walking in there, you look up and you're, you know, this little small dot in this sea of planes, which is really cool. Yeah, that is really awesome. Okay, so I mean, I think a lot of people that are listening probably already know about the Smithsonian, but what are some of the other things that we should do in D.C. that maybe they wouldn't know about? Yeah, so the uh, Kennedy Center has some great free performances uh, at night where you can see anything from jazz bands to orchestras to little Broadway clips. I mean, you name it, you can see it at night, and best of all, it's free, like most things in D.C. The International Spy Museum is a well-worth-it museum. That one is not free. There is an admission charge, but you can see everything that has to deal with the CIA, the KGB, MI6, all of these cool little organizations, and they've got all sorts of artifacts and displays and movies and whatnot just related to, you know, spying and and that type of a thing, uh, which is really cool. It's kind of this niche private museum, uh, which is definitely worth checking off on your bucket list. I mean, outside of D.C. itself, you can venture to a lot of historic battlefields surrounding the city. There's a lot of Civil War battlefields as you get down into Manassas and Fredericksburg. So it's definitely also worth taking a drive getting outside the city proper because there's so much history uh, just surrounding the city itself. That's one of the things that like coming from the West Coast, we didn't really have the same type of history as the East Coast. So I'm getting used to that a lot more now that I'm here in Nashville that there's things that have been around for hundreds of years versus California is more new. So when we're thinking of D.C., obviously the monuments are a big thing. One thing that visitors may not understand is that these monuments are actually open 24-7. So it's not like you have to go there during the day. Actually, in some cases, if you want like really just amazing photos, going at night and just experiencing it, probably with less crowds, especially if you go during the summer, less heat, the monuments are, are a wonderful thing to do as well. Yeah, and D.C. is so walkable. I mean, while there is a great metro system, there's plenty of days where I'll get off, you know, on the far end of the city in Roslyn, in Georgetown, and walk across to the other side of the city where the capital is. I mean, it's several miles, but it's beautiful walks as you weave between the different monuments and parks and whatnot. And so that that's really the nice thing about D.C. There's not a ton of walkable cities that are out there. I mean, you've got cities like Chicago and L.A. that are just massive. But D.C., it's manageable, and you can get from one end to 
the other within a, a nice, you know, brisk walk, and uh, it, it's really enjoyable. Well, for sure. I do want to step back uh, when we talk about the monuments. Although you can go to all of them for free and 24-7, the Washington Monument, if you want to go up that, I think that's reopen, right? Where you can go actually go up to, to the top? Yeah, and I believe it's a time ticket entry, if I'm not mistaken, just because it's so narrow and they've got to put folks into the elevator to go up. But they recently finished a huge refurbishment project, and they're now open you know, for folks to go up and, and look out the windows. That's super cool. So uh, when you're thinking of that, how far in advance do you think you need to book those reservations? For the Washington Monument, uh, it really depends on the season. So kind of that height of the tourist season is going to be in April and May, uh, you know, as you sort of finish the cherry blossom season and then into to early summer. So I would say that's the season when you want to book anything that you need to make, reservations, tickets, et cetera, far enough in advance, probably three, four, five months in advance as far as ticket entries and whatnot. The rest of the year, it's manageable. There's a lot of school groups and whatnot that visit the Smithsonian's and other museums and monuments, but everything is such on a massive scale that there's usually never a problem with overcrowding where you can't get in. Now, the one thing you do want to pay attention to is that D.C. is a very political city, so often there'll be rallies, protests, conventions, all sorts of different big scale projects. And those things you do want to plan around because it's very easy for the city to book up around those things. Uh, Of course, the dates and whatnot change. uh, So that's probably the thing to pay more attention to rather than just the seasonality of the city. I think also when you're planning your trip, if you want it to be a little bit more economical, you should probably look at trying to book when it's like outside of the sessions of Congress because there's less people in, in town. Yeah, definitely. The other thing you can do is book farther outside of the city. So Alexandria and Arlington are in Virginia, but across the river from D.C. proper, the rates drop dramatically there. And as you start to get into Fairfax County and even north into Maryland, the rates will drop as soon as you get out of the actual proper district of Columbia. So if you're looking to save on hotels, you know, look in those outside areas, and they're all accessible by metro. So that's the great thing is that you could get a hotel in downtown Old Town Alexandria and have the metro and be within the city within 15 minutes. So it's still convenient. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're saving quite a bit of money, I mean, that 15 minutes is is well worth it. You just got to make sure you bring everything with you for the day because you're not going to go back and forth, right? But Exactly. You know, so, okay, that's, that's really good. One of the things that, that people kind of forget about with DC is that it's a huge international city, right? Because you have all the embassies there. Everybody wants access to the president as well as the Congress. So they have all their embassies in DC and there's probably a lot of going on at those embassies, right? Yeah, so there's an area called Embassy Row, which houses the majority of the embassies, but there are pretty much all sorts of embassies scattered throughout the entire city. So it's very easy to walk down the sidewalk and see a different country's flag. And those embassies host different parties, dinner events, soirees, you name it. There's always some sort of a function at these embassies. And so to walk down the street and kind of peer into the backyard of some of these embassies, it's not uncommon to see some sort of a backyard dinner of some sort where they're cooking up whatever the local fare is to that particular country or drinks or whatever it might be. And they're constantly inviting politicians, locals that may belong to those countries that are in DC, whatever it might be. They're trying to showcase, you know, what they have to offer. So it's definitely, you know, really cool to walk down Embassy Row and some of those other streets to see what's going on. Obviously some of these are very closed events and stuff like that, but as a tourist, you may have an opportunity to attend one of these parties. 
right? By like stopping by the embassy and, and seeing what's on their calendar? Yeah. So many of these embassies will publish their schedules in advance and you can attend them simply just as a member of the public. You may need a ticket or some sort of other invite that you can obtain from the embassy, but many of them will host public events because part of their mission is as a tourism agency for their country. And so they're trying to invite people to the embassy so you can get a flavor for that country, hopefully travel there one day. So yes, there's certainly private events, but there's equally as many public events that you can attend as well. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I haven't had a chance to do one of those yet, but I, I think just coming back from your vacation and you're talking to your friends, oh yeah, so what'd you do on your vacation? Oh yeah, I hung out with the ambassador to Spain. <laughs> Not a bad uh, story to tell when you come back from your trip. So we were talking earlier about, say, the Metro as we're trying to get around. I assume that there is passes available, right? So that way you're not like constantly throwing dollars in the machine. So the metro system in D.C. is unique in that it is distance-based. So there's no passes anymore that will get you unlimited access you know, throughout the day. But on the flip side, you're paying for how far you travel. So unlike some cities that charge a flat fare, even if you go one stop – D.C. is going to charge you appropriately for that one stop versus going from one end of the city to the other end of the city. So while there isn't necessarily a flat day pass or anything like that, you do save a little bit if you happen to be making shorter trips. The metro system also uses a peak and not peak fare system. So if you're traveling during you know, the peak business hours, uh, you're going to incur more of a fare, whereas if you're traveling outside of those hours – you're going to incur less of a fare. So I think it's actually a pretty nice system, especially if you can avoid those peak hours. It's economical and you don't really notice not having a day pass. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's probably one of those things that kind of averages out over time anyways, right? For the amount that you would spend for all those small little trips, probably would have been about the same amount you'd pay for a day pass anyways. Exactly. And DC is so walkable, as I said, that most times you're actually not going to want to take the metro unless you're going to and from your hotel in an outside area or, you know, you're traveling somewhere far off for dinner. There's really not a ton of reason to take metro, you know, within the actual downtown corridor because it's it's so walkable. Cool. Well, we're running out of time a little bit. I don't want to miss talking about all the great food because with so many international people in the city, I'm sure there's just a ton of great restaurants. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my favorite restaurant in the city is a place called Central Michel Richard, and it sounds really fancy. It sounds really expensive. Most folks just call it Central. The fried chicken there is absolutely amazing. And so what I love about Central is that it feels like you're going out for a really nice dinner. They have a great bar, great wait staff. It's a really modern restaurant, but you're not going to pay those super high-end prices. And so you can walk out of there for a great dinner, great dinner date, great business meeting, whatever it is, and it's economical. You're not going to feel like you break the bank for getting, you know, such a nice meal in a great um, restaurant. You know, some of my other favorites are Ben's Chili Bowl. So if you want, you know, a greasy hot dog, if you want a greasy bowl of chili, that's definitely the place to go. And if you happen to miss it in D.C., the D.C. location, you can hit it up on your way out through Reagan Airport. Uh, there's actually a spot there as well. My favorite breakfast spot is Blue Duck Tavern at the Park Hyatt. They do a great open kitchen restaurant. You can see the chefs making whatever you're going to order, but they do a great hot chocolate as well. I mean, it's literally like melting a Hershey's bar and just drinking it pure right out of the cup. It's very decadent. Absolutely. I mean, I've almost got a cavity just listening to it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or a heart attack. I'm not sure which. Yeah, absolutely. 
say if we were going to go maybe someplace nice for a dinner, maybe my wife and I got away for the weekend, away from the kids, and we're going out for a nice date night, where would we go for that? I hate to defer back to Central, but it really is my go-to place if you're going to meet someone. There's also a great place called Clyde's, uh, and that's a place that you kind of go to hit up other politicians and locals and whatnot. It's kind of a local staple. There's a few locations throughout the D.C. metro area. Uh, really good, you know, American-type food. They've got some seafood. They've got some burgers. They've got some steaks. Kind of that sort of, you know, down-home American-style comfort food there in a almost like a cigar lounge atmosphere, you know, kind of these dark wood undertones throughout. It really seems like this place that, you know, you'd get invited to if a politician wanted to take you out to dinner or something like that. Nice. Okay. So here in Nashville, right, there's a lot of musicians and and some actors and actresses and everything, uh, some celebrities around. It's almost like an unwritten rule to like not to approach them and just kind of treat them as if they're normal. Is that the same way when you see politicians in a restaurant? Unfortunately, in D.C., you know, if you're dining out to dinner and you're well known, you're going to get harassed. And and there's all sorts of media stories and whatnot where, you know, you can see folks approaching these folks and protesting and calling them whatever. But there's equally as many places, you know, because D.C. is almost so bipartisan, right? You've got people from both sides of the aisle. You've equally got as many people going out to dinner that are going to pose with a selfie with a constituent or, or someone that, uh, you know, is in their party or whatever it is. So that's the cool thing about D.C. is that it's not one-sided by any means. It's not like you've got a local politician in a in Nashville or somewhere else where either you like the person or you don't like the person, but you don't really have someone else there from the other side of the aisle to be able to like or dislike. But you've got that in D.C. You've got everyone from both sides and you've got equally as many, you know, jabs at the person as as selfies or you know, autographs <laughs> walking down the street. OK, so it's not like a junior high dance where like all the Democrats on one side, all the Republicans on the other, they're kind of intermixed. Like, I mean, you could be going to any part of town and, and maybe see Democrats or Republicans or, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's not uncommon to see people from both sides of the aisle, you know, talking over something in a particular restaurant or coming out of the Capitol and whatnot. I mean, certainly there's there's your flavor of bipartisanship no matter where you go. But the cool thing about D.C. is that, you know, you can see both sides in action, you know, right in the same evening. Absolutely. That's really cool. So, Jamie, I really appreciate you coming on to the show and sharing all these cool tips for D.C. I know I learned a lot. I've been in the city numerous times and always learning something new every time I, I, I hear uh, one of these interviews. So now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal in D.C., where should they go and what should they eat? I think Ben's Chili Bowl is probably kind of the go-to one. I mean, it's not going to break the bank by any means. It's like a fast food joint, but it, it's a staple in D.C. I mean, if you ask someone, you know, what's the best cheap meal in dc it's probably ben's chili right on and what's your favorite thing on the menu Ooh, their chili is good i really like their hot dogs they do this half smoke thing it's like a sausage hot dog i don't even know what the heck it is it looks like a hot dog that's probably my favorite i mean you can down a few of those very easily uh don't ask my doctor but you, you could probably <laughs> eat a few of those without uh, without looking so jamie you've lived in dc and inching closer and closer to the white house for you know, the last decade or so, you obviously have some great memories there. Which one are your favorite? The pomp and circumstance of the city is what never gets old. You could be walking down the street and a motorcade comes by, cops will block various intersections, and you know that it's coming. I mean, you can tell 
you know, from a mile away, you've got this barrage of police and motorcycles and SUVs and whatnot. And they're stopping, you know, like a coordinated swimming exercise. I mean, synchronized swimming, they're just on either side of the street coming out of nowhere. And you can tell the streets are about to get blocked off. And if you stand there long enough, right, you'll see that big black limo come down the street or it's it's them escorting some sort of dignitary or foreign ambassador, whatever it might be. There's always some sort of motorcade in D.C. And as much as it gets old because it's the same old thing over again, it really doesn't get old because you realize that you're in pretty much the powerhouse of the world where every world leader is going to want to visit, where you know decisions are made not just for the U.S., but that have an impact on the entire globe. And then you've got, you know, folks that have the power to make those decisions, you know, rolling by with flashing lights. So it, it's it's just cool to see that. So it's like some of the things that we see on the movies, you're actually witnessing in real life. Yeah, definitely. All right. So like you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of like networking and everything like that that goes on, obviously, usually over drinks. So where's the happiest happy hour in D.C.? So there's a place called Off the Record. It's in the Hay Adams Hotel, which is directly across from the White House. That's a swanky bar. Uh, where you can get a nicely priced drink and by nice i mean you know on the upper end of the spectrum but that's a place to be seen you'll often see media outlets uh, cnn in particular does a lot of live shots from the top of that hotel looking down at the white house and the surrounding plazas there so it's an iconic building it's an iconic bar it's a place you go to have a drink you know with someone that you really want to impress it's that businessy upper end five-star atmosphere where you go there to have a nice evening uh, that sounds like a great experience so one of the things i always do whenever i travel is check out the local pizza where's the best place for pepperoni pizza in dc so D.C., we're not really known for our pizza. I hate to admit it. We're not Chicago. We're not New York. We're not any of the other uh, iconic cities. But there is a good place called We the Pizza. Uh, obviously, it's a play off of, uh, you know, all the, the political stuff. But they do a really nice pepperoni pizza there. Would I say it's any better than New York or Chicago or any of that? I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's a good pizza for D.C. I'm, I'm willing to try it. <laughs> now, you and I, we've known each other for years from all the different travel conferences we attend and and actually, you're, you're involved with putting them on. What's one of your best travel tips? So as I mentioned a little bit before, BWI is kind of the secret sauce for cheaper airfare in D.C. And so when you want to visit D.C., look for BWI. Yes, it's a little bit inconvenient again, but often those airfares can be bottom prices at a BWI. And it's well worth the hassle of getting into the city for the fares that you can get out of BWI. Another great thing is that if you fly into BWI, you can go up to Philadelphia very easily. You can head up to New York. The Amtrak runs right through the airport. And so you don't have to use BWI as an airport just for D.C. It's a little bit of a secret gem for folks that are flying out of Philadelphia and points north. They'll actually drive to BWI just to get those good airfares. Well, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew you were going to throw in a train there someplace because – one of the things I learned from you years ago is like I learned some hidden secrets about Amtrak. So now that we're, we're finished talking about this, can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? Yeah. So you can follow me on my social media handles, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of fun stuff at the forward cabin. I normally write at a site called upgradedpoints.com and I write a lot of different articles there about reviews, Amtrak, those that fly American Airlines a lot. A lot of my stuff up there will be a lot of information about that. I help with the uh, Frequent Traveler University and Loyalty Summit. So if you're interested in kind of learning about travel hacking tips 
and tips to save on flying and hotels and whatnot, and then also learning about loyalty programs and how they impact the industry. Uh, I work with a few organizations on that. Uh, I also help with uh, putting on some tours through Europe. Uh, so I do a whole bunch of different stuff that allows me to get out in the community, do some flights around the world, and, and hang out with some really cool people. Yeah. And so it's like you have the expertise on certain things, but you're also kind of a little bit of a free agent and able to talk about a lot of others as well. Exactly. I'm a jack of all trades, I guess you could say. <laughs> We're right on. Well, Jamie, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I learned a lot. I'm sure the listeners did as well. We're going to have links to everything we talked about uh, you know, in the show notes. And uh, we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thanks so much. What an awesome conversation with Jamie. You can find all the links we talked about at wetravelthere.com forward slash DC. We want to say thank you to Clear for being today's affiliate partner. Take advantage of our special limited time offer where you can try Clear for free for two months. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Clear to sign up today. Join us next time as we head to Mammoth Lakes, California to speak with my good friend Paul Lanyon. Paul and I talk about skiing in July, relaxing in hot springs, and exploring the nearby ghost town. We hope to join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations.